You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What is up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. I really thank you for hanging out with me. Today, I'm recording this intro from a place in central Oregon. I have never in my entire life traveled this much back to back, and I definitely have never had to bring gear with me to create music and podcasts and various type of content. This has been a very interesting process. Maybe I'll make a video on it while I'm here, or maybe when I get back, loading all this up into the most compact thing I can manage while still trying to cover every base that I possibly can. Anyway, that's beside the point. The point is, if this sounds a little different than you're used to, that's why. I am not in the shred shed under optimal conditions as I usually try to be. That said, this episode is fantastic, and I did record it just before I left with my good friend, Mr. Robert Keeley, and it was an epic, epic conversation. And I want to get right into that. But before I do, there is something very important that I need to tell you, because this is a huge day. As this episode drops, this is a really, really big day for me personally and for us at Stringjoy as a company, because as this episode drops you will be able to now purchase Stringjoy products at Sweetwater. I know, that's so weird because Sweetwater has worked with me in the Tone Mob capacity for years, and now they are a retailer for Stringjoy. In fact, unbeknownst to us, they have been putting our strings on a lot of stuff that comes out of their shop for years and years at the request of you guys. So thank you so much for that. Pushing more into retail is a big goal for us as a company. It is a very challenging thing to do with strings, but that's what we want to do. We want to be everywhere that you are shopping, and we want to make it convenient for you to get our stuff if that is the stuff you so choose to use. So a huge shout out to Sweetwater for making this happen and for supporting us in such a big way with this. This is really, really exciting and very, very cool. We are super stoked to get our strings in the hands of more players making music. And that's what this is all about. It's all very, very exciting. So anyway, with that business out of the way, let's get into this conversation with Mr. Robert Keeley. Robert Keeley is a legend in the effects game. If you don't know, I don't even know how you found this podcast because Keeley is huge. He's such a great guy. He's been very supportive of what I do over the years. He was one of the very, very early guests on the podcast and he really helped kick this thing off in a meaningful way. And it was great to have him back on. He's always such a delight. Let's get right into this conversation with Mr. Robert Keeley. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have returning one of the most requested and best guests the podcast has ever had, Mr. Robert Keeley. How's it going, my man? So it's been a while, uh, huh? It has. It has been a minute. Uh, you know, I was thinking about it. It's actually been the last time we recorded was back when Nick from Catlin Bread passed away, yeah. which was a long time ago. He came yeah. here. I think that was uh, 2018, maybe? I think so. I think mm -hmm. so. And you were a really early guest on the podcast, and I actually wanted to bring you on again to uh, say thank you 
because your episode, the first episode that we did together mm-hmm. was when I really realized I'm like, Oh wait, I think I'm onto something with these conversations, you know, yeah. people, and some people are still going, whenever I post in the Facebook group or whatever, I'd be like, what's your favorite episode? The Robert Keeley number one is always <laughs> one people's one of people's go-to favorites. And so, you know, you really helped give me some, uh, extra inspiration to just keep the hammer down on this thing. And now here we are. Was I drinking or something? What made it so special? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You were just very open about some of the struggles you'd been through. And and just we went places that I didn't expect to go. Yeah, And I think nobody else had heard that from the horse's mouth in that same way either. So it was it was it was helpful for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. It is kind of traumatic when you go through uh, things that change your life and your whole structure and everything that was normal is now different. And uh, you see you see people on Facebook going through life changes and you, you kind of want to talk about it <laughs> to try to rationalize it in some way or organize it in your brain. So, yeah, it, it was uh, it, it seemed traumatic for me at the time. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure yeah. I did. But I, I, love I mean, being open, it's 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 much easier to remember um, the truth than to just try to make up something, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, like, well, yep. this is what I can talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's way easier to keep that straight. Yeah. What actually happened? <laughs> it's a lot easier. I don't have the mental capacity to do I. go through. No, it's just not going to work. <laughs> I don't think anybody ultimately does. You know, it always right. ends up tripping up somehow. It's Isn't never that the truth. It's never the way forward, really. Yeah. But man, talk about some changes since 2018 oh, for both yeah. of us. <clears throat> I mean, but especially you down there. I mean, I I keep threatening to. I've got so many friends in Oklahoma. I need to come down there and check out yeah. everything. But man, the new shop, the new stuff you guys are able to do down there. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, man. So we are just. Um... Uh, a little more than one year into the new shop, and um, it is a, a dream come true. Had no idea how good life could be here at this new shop. So the new shop is seventeen thousand square foot. The old shop was probably somewhere around twelve thousand or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But it the, the primary thing that that just works for us is that we're all under one roof now. We were in six different compartments um prior and so now Mm -hmm. it's it's all under one roof and everyone feels you know that that there's a path to the bathroom that's (laughs) clear and logical (laughs) (laughs) i think we have 11 stalls now so when you have when you have (laughs) i know right so Mm -hmm. when you have uh people you know uh trying to figure out how to feel comfortable at work, uh, that sure helps having lots of bathroom stalls. Absolutely. And, uh, on Thursdays, we have a lunch that that uh, I get for everyone. And so we get to eat together on Thursdays. So um, it's another good reason to have 11 bathroom stalls. <laughs> I mean, there's not 11 bathrooms, but there's 11 stalls. <laughs> 11 stalls. No, that's, it's one of those things, you know, when you start looking, this is, this is not something I'd ever I ever thought I was going to have to put brain power into, right? Right. But you start looking for new space for your business. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, like not for Tone Mob, it's just me, so that's easy. But 
but for the string joy stuff, yeah. this constant struggle is it's not it's not ever something I had to think about, like parking. Sure. Like, oh, we gotta make sure we have parking space for everybody because while we're not the biggest business in our little block that we're in, we definitely have the most employees because it's really labor intensive. So there's mm -hmm. a, a lot of hands-on stuff that has to occur. Same with pedals. There's a lot more hands-on stuff that has to occur with pedals than, you know, other uh, types of manufacturing. Not every type of manufacturing, but what we do is really labor intensive. And yeah, the amount of parking stalls a, sp a space has suddenly becomes extremely important to deciding oh, whether yeah. you're going to move there or not. It's weird. Yeah, and this this space that was one of the first things I looked at with each and every potential space was how many parking spots are there, and mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so I think we have approaching forty now. But that might seem like a lot, but if we're hovering at thirty five, and we've I think we've gone up to thirty eight employees, um, that's it. You're done. <laughs> I mean, yep. you can start parking <laughs> on the street, I guess, and. And, you know, that's not as comfortable. So it, uh, it it's going to require something to, to grow a, at least a lot bigger than we are now. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah parking yeah. spaces and uh, stuff like that are become really important. But the new space um, also just has allowed us to do it's allowed us to do everything better. There's there was there's nothing I miss about the old six garage storage shed looking units, you know, <laughs> strung together. Um, so uh, we, we get to organize our inventory better. We get to, um, you know, line out uh, production and direction of, of flow uh, a lot better. And uh, everyone seems to be happy in the, in the new space too. So that just makes everyone work <clears throat> a little bit better, you know. One of the cool things about Keeley as a company, I think, is how much you guys do in-house. And it's actually about to be a lot more, even down to yeah. like the case manufacturing and stuff you've hinted at and talked about here and there. Like, there's not a whole lot other than, you know, the actual, um, you know, running a steel foundry that you could do <laughs> in-house there. It's really impressive to have all that under one roof. And I think a lot of people don't understand why or what some of the benefits to that are. Can you speak to that? Yeah. In, in the beginning, um, we'd get put, put behind or we were subject to other people's production skills and schedules. And so, um, we were constantly having to work around, you know, shortages of cases or parts or circuit boards. And, um, I found, again, I found that it was, it was pretty easy to consider uh, either managing a loan or something like that to purchase the equipment and um, get it paid off and become profitable at, at some, you know, aspect or some part of the pedal manufacturing. So in the beginning, the first thing that I, you know, of course, in the very beginning, I was drilling the cases myself. And then eventually you get a couple other guys to start drilling cases. But um, then you start to need thousands of cases and <clears throat> working a bunch of drill presses didn't cover it. So the first thing we did was get some CNCs. And, you, you know, at, in the beginning, it might seem like fifteen or $20,000 for a CNC is a lot. But, you know, you're when you pay somebody else to do it, you're you're you know, they're doubling their money. So it, it doesn't sure. take very long to recoup the cost. And that was just kind of, is, is just the kind of way I've kind of approached bringing everything 
back in house, you know, um, finding out that powder coating wasn't that hard and we can get a much better quality if you have a full-time employee that's just dedicated to doing just pedals. Um, eventually you get better stuff than the guy that coats oil pipes or something, you know, or lawn furniture. And then I started, um, when I was getting surface mount circuit boards done, um, by a guy up in Kansas then, or Missouri, um, it, it just seemed like, man, I should be able to do this. But then the equipment became, you know, 250 or 300,000. <laughs> so right, then it was right. Like, well, it'll take me a couple of years to pay that off, even if I do it at 10,000 a month. But that's what I set out to do. And it, it managed to work out. So it, it, I'm fully addicted to the process of buying machines to make the stuff we need. I mean, if I could... I haven't spent a tremendous amount of time, but if I could figure out how to machine our own aluminum knobs or extrude, you know, the material or something like that, uh, I might consider it. I, I've definitely considered plastic injection molding, and that—I mm-hmm. um, don't know—it's a possibility. But now there's some really slick 3D printers that are like, you know, sixty thousand or hundred eighty thousand dollars that have a kind of a multi-step process to making the plastic look really refined and wow. you know, so that might help with part of the plastic knobs but mm-hmm. yeah at some point in time i'm like huh, i wonder if we could make switches you know right it's just a, <laughs> it, it's a plastic molding it's a it's a spring it's a you know a couple pieces of lever a couple pieces of aluminum mm-hmm. or copper and you know i don't know because <clears throat> when with you know things that come up like covid or supply chain problems or world wars or whatever you know you wonder about your ability to source parts from from china since the united Mm -hmm. states currently doesn't manufacture any surface mount components or components of any sort not even surface mount heck we don't we don't manufacture electronic components here maybe integrated circuits in some cases um but so that puts a big dependency on on imports and that it just gets kind of old um being subject to political things war things you know (laughs) etc etc so i it 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 makes you feel very secure being able to make everything under one roof it there's definitely some efficiencies uh in it it also allows us to um experiment with things and to bring things to um you know fruition of the project uh, a lot faster you know we can release even though we haven't been releasing things fast because we've been spending a lot of time making it better than we could have imagined um it if we do want to do something overnight we can do it <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. really cool that's really you know if i if i need to make a birthday pedal for somebody we can we can knock it out, you know? Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's the the flexibility that it gives you is really great, but also just, you know, you don't have to be beholden as much to outside influences. And then on top of it, something, you know, since, you know, you brought up wars and all the other craziness that this world has brought, mm-hmm. you know, well, that's something that uh, Scott and I have talked about before. We're like, man, you know, we're, we're all actually sounds kind of weird to say, but we're actually aging out of the, what would probably be a a draft situation for most people, Mm -hmm. um, which feels really weird because 
I couldn't say that too long ago. I probably would have been first pull, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're yeah. kind of getting to the point where, you know, if something real crazy was to happen and I hate to doomsday this scenario, but we would probably be needed at home. Yeah. And I'm sure there's some application in the military that would require metal to be wrapped around metal and we can do that. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, it, it, that is kind of cool. I, I've thought about mm-hmm. stuff like that too. Like, you know, there was a time, no one wanted to go to war, I'm sure, and but it was 1940s, and all of a sudden the government's telling you, "Hey, you need to build something, or you need to go fight," <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. or one of the two. So, um, yeah, that, that yep. always enters my mind too. Like, would always you know, rather if, build something. Always well, would rather build something. <laughs> yeah, like for example, I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think pedals are going away for a while, but you could imagine a a. a a generation of players that um, could just plug into their cell phone and then output from the cell phone to their amplifier and they could pull up any effect dreamable or imaginable. They could make their own effects and, and to heck with pedals, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Cause they're not into playing live. So they don't have to switch them on and off, you know, they're just for entertainment, you know? So, yep. um, sorry about that. <clears throat> no worries. But um, so, but, I often wonder where I could, you know, put my, uh, my production, you know, abilities to use outside effects pedals, but fortunately effects pedals are, are doing well. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that's what I like to do, not build air conditioner parts, (laughs) you know? No, exactly. But what's beautiful is you can build air conditioner parts if if you have to. to. If you need to. We could. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's always better to be engaged in something that you care about, absolutely. But oh, yeah. having the flexibility to do whatever needs done mm-hmm. is also very it helps you sleep at night. You know, yeah. it's like we can we can figure out what needs figured out depending on what the situation is. So e- even um, you were alluding to the new machines that we got down in Norman, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jacob's yeah, yeah. place, mm-hmm. and um, kind of. In, in the same vein as that is when when COVID took off, <coughs> um, we didn't know if we could open, and we found out through um, our governor and our state laws that uh, we could be considered an essential business in our state if we manufactured for other people. If we were OEM for other people, mm. it was like mm-hmm. one sentence that popped out. <laughs> out of a variety of, you know, other, other classes, classifications. And so we got to, we got to stay open. So I I feel really, really good about that. And, um, so we got to profit, you know, we got to stay in business because we, we worked with other companies, you know, making stuff for them. And, uh, this is kind of in that same vein. We, what we got is the turret punch and the press break. And I realized that, this machine should um, be able to make many more cases than than I could use for the foreseeable future. Meaning, we wouldn't switch all of our pedal cases over. We'd still use the cast enclosures that we import and machine ourselves. <clears throat> but wouldn't it be great if the machine could be used to its maximum potential? And I know that Jacob likes making stuff. So um, off to I, when I said, hey. Would you like to put this machine at your shop so you could make cases for other people? And and as long as we get our cases, and I figured, you know, we could have our cases out in 
couple, two, three, four days. And then he'd have the rest of the month to build for other people. And plus, I think they're just going to look so much cooler. So I'm, oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It's one of those other cases where when, when you do um, do it in-house and kind of bring it in and learn how to do it yourself, it, it just opens up a lot of possibilities. Hi, I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Maris Mercury X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4,800 hertz sample rate and 99 preset locations in 33 banks and something along the lines of the most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man? That's all true, but I only care about one thing. This pedal sounds sick. So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at maris.us, as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, now can I have my pocky? How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services. And it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than two bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. You know, absolutely. if you want to work with other people, you know, or what have you. Right. We're, we're talking a little bit of inside baseball right now. Last time Jacob was on this show, he was at Mammoth, which is obviously ages and ages <laughs> ago. Jacob Adams is the guy behind F5 Metalworks listeners. So if you're curious who that is, F5 Metalworks makes uh, like almost all of the in, er, enclosures that you see at uh, various pedal makers across the states. They've, they've worked with almost everybody at this point. And in yeah. some capacity or another. So if you have a pedal, there's a good chance it went through F5. In fact, the slice of pie pedals that I did with Big Ear, Jacob, mm. you know, was was instrumental in bringing those to life. So yeah. when we say Jacob, that's the Jacob we're referring to. So. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob has done some even, even circuit design work. Heck, back 12, 14 years ago, 20 years ago, he did some circuit board stuff for me uh, for the Tone Workstation. And mm-hmm. uh, I know he's done it for some other guys. Maybe maybe it was Emerson. I'm not certain. But some other guys in this area, he's, um, yeah. So not only cases, which he definitely specializes in, but <laughs> all kinds of pedal stuff. So he, Yep, 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 absolutely. So it's probably time for him to come on and, and 
chart that career path because I know exactly what's happened with him because we stay pretty close. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't realize how instrumental he is to the pedal industry at large. It's very oh. important. Oh, no. Yeah, definitely huge. Um, I, I know that at some point in time, he had hundreds of customers. Maybe it was at Mammoth or Foresight or something like that. But um, So I think he's got many dozens of customers now that he does you know, cases for. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he's he's learned that he's got to be a little more selective these days. I, I think <laughs> so. <laughs> but yeah, well, so I told the Facebook group just before uh, just before we started this that you were coming on, and then my phone blew up. So let's go All see right. what kind of questions they have for you. I know they've got questions. Oh wow, yeah, we've got a lot of questions here. Okay, great. All right, here we go. Kevin Fontana. He says. A favorite pedals that aren't his. Seems like that's probably been asked before, but <laughs> he's asking you. Favorite pedals that aren't yours? Well, um, there there are um, quite a few pedals that I, I like. I end up focusing on on mine here at the shop, as you can imagine. But of course, you know, uh, I think the uh, uh, Nico Sabadius makes a a funky vibe that I really oh, yeah. did. I got about. Two years ago, I don't know, something like that, and uh, he's he's a wonderful character down in in uh, I think Buenos Aires, Argentina, and mm -hmm. um, so uh, there's some uh, new stuff like that. I like the 1981. I just got that one in. Oh yeah, um, and that one sounds really good. And I'm kind of got it going around the shop to have people listen to it because a couple guys have been excited about it, mm -hmm. and. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I've been listening to the um, JHS at pedal, the Andy Timmons uh, mm -hmm. pedal, since I've been listening to it for months, if not years now. <laughs> with with Andy, I've gone real fond of that that sound. You know, that's a pretty yeah. cool thing he's got going there. Definitely. And, um, so I, I've always stated that I'm a big fan of the Line Six DL4. I think that's one of my my favorite. Um, old time pedals <laughs> you, you got to play the 2000. new one no i haven't i've been kind of lazy or i've been busy with other stuff but no <laughs> yeah, i haven't lazy. Tried that's the how new what one. i usually describe you as is <laughs> very lazy yeah that's what everybody knows you as <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i also Nothing got going on there a native audio um reverb that i uh really like and um there's, there's been a couple other things. Let me see if I can peek around. Oh yeah, this is this is always the move. You gotta. It's like, wait, what's on what's <laughs> well, on the bench? Yep. Well, what was on the bench earlier was Andy Timmons' uh, Mutron Three. He had a Mutron Three, and it had some dirty pots and switches, so I got it going. But mm -hmm. um, I have all the prototypes upside down. So all those black <laughs> pedals you see over there, yeah. Oh man! Mystery new products—they're not the exact same thing, but they're upside down. <laughs> so, um, there's like five there, isn't there? Six, maybe six prototypes back there. Oh yeah, there's. Oh yeah, there are. In fact, one, two, three, four. There are four different um, designs over there um, that we're working on at different different stages. They're kind of related in some way, and um, but they're all um, they're all for 2023 is what we hope for. <laughs> you know, it's very exciting, very so, exciting. 
Maybe we can no, talk I, about I that like... after the cameras are off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll give you a little sneak peek. But nice. No, um, I, I like a lot of effects pedals that are coming out. I think it's it's still the golden age of effects where um, there's lots of sounds that people are playing with and pe- people are making effects that are more dynamic and, and mm-hmm. expressive. And so... I like a lot of the stuff that's coming out. It's all it's all pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. It's a, it's an amazing time to to be a player. And I feel like we said that when you first came on in 2015, and I, it's only gotten more expansive and more interesting since then, which I wasn't even sure was possible. But I, you know, I look at some of the the Maris stuff that's come out recently, especially that LVX pedal was just yeah. blows my mind every time I mess with it. Like, I don't think there's a limit to how, what kind of sounds this thing can make. There, it's yeah. So expansive. Yeah, I've seen uh, a couple see. of the videos on that one. That one's great. It's it's pretty insane. Um, well, well, here's an easy one. Sean Pierce Johnson says, "Can we, you just tell him how much we all love him?" So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake Young. This is a good question, and something we talked about. Uh, I talked about with Wampler on Chasing Tone recently, but it'd be interesting to get your take on it. What would make it cost effective to start doing mods again? Well, hmm. that's a that's a good question. Um, it it the the problem with mods, I think they would still be cost effective even if I didn't raise the prices a lot. It, the problem mm-hmm. is though, is that um, I don't know if I want to dedicate my workforce to doing that rather than you know supporting and advancing my own brand, and that's kind of. Um, what the turning point has always been, you know, um, what doesn't make financial sense is when I was purchasing, you know, new pedals and was supplying even to try to supply them to dealers, um, modded new pedals. So I'd buy cases and cases, um, a hundred DS ones at a time, you know, from boss and, uh, or a hundred, you know, tube screamers at a time every week, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and, when you try to put your labor onto that and then sell that to s- dealers, it, it becomes uh, not very profitable. You know, we're starting yeah. off with a hundred dollar object and then trying to sell it to the end user for one fifty nine. That only made sense if they bought it direct from me. As soon as dealers wanted to be involved, I sure appreciated their support, but it didn't make any financial sense. Then it was too, the margins were just not, not productive, you know? Right. And, you got to factor yeah. in labor on top of that hundred dollar initial mm-hmm. buy-in, you know, the parts cost isn't super high, but there's a lot of labor. And then, yeah, it, that just does not leave much meat on the bone at all. Right. So that's one of the financial reasons. I mean, and of course, you know, repeating that I'd rather work on my own stuff than pushing, you know, another person's or another company's product. So, you put those two things together, and it's it's uh, you know I shouldn't do it. We have <clears throat> we have plans to um, kind of address that whole mod thing because there's lots of great sounds in there, and it's been a decade or maybe not that long since we put out the Red Dirt and the Super Fat mod, mm-hmm. and so you know we're looking to try to bridge that gap between um, our modded sounds and 
you know, a, a new offering of, you know, sounds that might be related to those things. <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, I see what you're exactly. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. Uh, do, 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 do. Oh, there's like several of the, Great. what is your favorite pedal? Uh, Ryan Terry says, just thank him for me. I love my compressor plus. Um, hey, thank ooh, you, here's Ryan. a fun, here, yeah, here's a fun one. Adam Kelly Williams says, if you could go back in time and mod any artist's gear, which piece would you choose? Hmm. Well, I didn't get to modify any, um, uh, Trey Anastasio, uh, say compressors or tube screamers. I, I don't know if he evaluated those. And, uh, I've listened to a lot of fish back in the day. So that would have been fun if I could have gone mm -hmm. back in time to do that. Um, well, heck if we go back, you know, to the eighties when I first nineties, when I first started working on gear, then it would have been fun to get all kinds of people like Zappa or <laughs> Jerry Garcia. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd like to get in there and, and have the time and space to work on stuff with all kinds of new people, Julian Lodge, et cetera, et oh, yeah. cetera. You know, there's, there's so many great new guitar players, you know what I mean? I, uh, so, <laughs> So I, uh, I, I don't, you know, this is not something that uh, was asked, but talking about that, we should really, we can come back to the listener questions later. There's a million of them and we're not going to get to all of them. I, I'm sorry. But working with Andy Timmons on the Halo, we, we should probably talk about that process because I know that took a while and I know you really enjoyed that. So let's, how this, did that get started? Is my, this is my favorite pedal. I mean, this and the Compressor Plus. I really like the compressor plus that it's great. That pedal does so well for us, but this, this halo and working with Andy Timmons, um, has been just tremendous for our, our company. Um, we, because we got to answer to a different kind of boss. If you ask me, um, here's an artist that was close enough that he could come up to our shop or we could go down to his shop. And so, when you're judging his immediate reaction that he either likes or loves or dislikes something, it's, it's kind of, it becomes very easy for me to turn to my guys and go, Hey, it's not working out. You know, we got to do something about this or that, or, you know, in the midst of Andy listening to this, we discover, I discovered, you know, a sound or a noise that I didn't like myself. You know what I mean? And whether Andy, knew it or not, you know, we had mm -hmm. to, we had to work on a bunch of other things, you know? So, um, uh, that, that's just been so tremendous for, for me and my team. It just gives us a, a big, um, advantage, I think in working so close with a guy that has ridiculously good ears and that we respect, uh, and, and see eye to eye on all those things. So it was, it's just a perfect, perfect fit for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, it's, it's tremendous, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I know that Andy feels the same way because, um, he's like, what's next? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, there you it, go. You know what I mean? And, and of course I'm, I feel the same way too, because it was so successful, but it's, um, so it's a mutual admiration thing. Um, the, the halo just gives us, uh, such a, a great sound. It's a unique sound. If you listen to the delays, they don't sound like other things unless you've spent a lot of time constructing dual delays and 
working on on things like that if if you have then you then you can catch a glimpse as to how fun it is but we got to put in other features like the saturate control which allows you to further smear all the way to distorting the echoes but mm. it really helps them sit in the mix properly and so you know the music that you're making on the fly it doesn't get overrun by a bunch of echoes and uh, once we started to finesse that, and then once we got the modulation um, sounding very, very sweet, chorus-like, not not this repeating, oscillating uh, thing that can be kind of distracting or predictable. Um, once we got that modulation like that, then it was, you know, further proof that what we're doing is right, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so did he approach you or did you approach him about this project? Well, it was it's really cool too because uh Daniel Steinhardt and Mick Taylor from the pedal show, that pedal show yeah. mm -hmm. in England. Um they are the ones that uh, introduced me to Andy Timmons and um oh. yep, he was wanting to find somebody if I'm not mistaken to work on this delay sound and Daniel said go to Robert and uh we started talking and um, we, this back right before COVID, like February 13th of 2020, like, so like right, right before COVID, um, I had him come up to the shop and, and listen to, um, a dual delay that we had put together, you know, to kind of show him, Hey, so is this what you mean? Is this what you want? And, um, I, I realized that we didn't we weren't getting close to what he wanted. You know what I mean? We, there was a lot of parts to the sound that we were going to have to work on. And, uh, it, it took, it took a couple of years from that point in time on before, you know, we had it. So, wow. Yeah. It was, it, 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 it was a lot of great work though, because it was, when, once we got to the point where Andy loved the tonality of it, then we just had to fix all the other things like, how is the user interface going to, you know, w be designed to work how Andy wants to use it live, you know? So we also made some great decisions there and just got to kind of fine tune how uh, the users operate the pedal. Um, having a pro who's used to doing all this pedal board switching himself and switching things on the fly um, was great much better than just say relying on ourselves here you know to decide how guitar players are gonna work this pedal you know right so it's kind of interesting when we look back when i look back at the echoes and the hydro which um in the in the beginning shared the exact same uh board but um the user interface isn't as friendly and as slick as what it is in the halo so right we got to improve not only our sound uh, quality quite a bit, um, we got to improve just the experience of using the pedal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah, you're right. When you have, you know, we we tend to get really wrapped up in the, the design phase and what we as like kind of glorified basement pedal nerds, you know, and I mean that in the most loving way possible because mm -hmm. I'm definitely one. <laughs> uh, we We tend to use things differently than, somebody who's constantly on the road. You know, I have yeah. things spread out all over a table. Mm -hmm. Nobody really does that, you know, <laughs> not on the road anyway. I mean, unless they're very, it's, unless that's the way they make music 
and they're manipulating things in real time. Most of the time it's on the floor and they have to figure out how to engage with it in a way that's quick and efficient and, you know, gets the results that they're looking for. And somebody like Andy, who's played everything under the sun for who knows how long at this point, is going to have a lot of insights that non-touring folks aren't going to have. So it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Let's see. What else we got? Uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of just plans. There's just a lot of love being thrown around from everybody, from Dave Trombetti, who's a big supporter of the show, uh, to John Cusack. He says, tell Robert thanks oh, for right. me. He'll, he'll know why. So there we go. Well, man, that is so great because sometimes when you um, – work with cool people and john cusack is really a very cool guy and absolutely very very super nice guy too so sometimes when you reach out to work with somebody it's it's not always you know for your financial benefit and this is this is probably one of those things he's he's talking about is that sometimes you're just like oh that's not in my wheelhouse you know um john would be much better at that (laughs) than me Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and so i don't i I don't think I, I like taking orders too well. <laughs> so that's why that's one of the reasons why this Andy Timmons thing is so nice to me because it is, it is kind of easy to take uh, orders from him because his ears are so ridiculously good. And he's got so much talent that mm-hmm. he can, you know, play things and show you look at the compression in the mid bass <laughs> When I play this style on this pickup, mm-hmm. see, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like that much compression. I want a little less compression right there. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, it's very specific. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it worked in this case because we were, we were all on board, but sometimes, you know, you have a customer that can be um, more demanding or want you to do something that might not make sense. And that's where John comes in and, builds all kinds of stuff. I mean, I, th- I think him and Jacob work together quite a bit. So we are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the gear exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there. That's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby, because let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff. Hello there. I'd like to introduce you to your new best friend, the Chase Bliss Audio Lossy. Lossy is a collaboration between Chase Blitz and Good Hertz. It's meant to give you some control over those weird digital artifacts that come with every compressed audio. You're hearing it right now. All the changes that are taking place are strictly coming from my playing dynamics. 
I'm just interacting with the pedal and letting it do its thing. And some true stereo goodness. If you'd like some more details about Lossy, I invite you to head over to chaseflintsaudio.com. I think you're going to like what you find. Those two yeah. guys are responsible for a lot of pedals, huh? They really are, really. Yeah, Cusack, I think, is another one of those like unsung heroes. I think if you know, oh. like real pedal nerds know about yeah. his contributions, but you know, the Cusack brand is you know much smaller than his actual contributions to the pedal world at large. He's a very important manufacturer, designer, mm-hmm. insert everything here (laughs) type of guy supplier you know all kinds Mm -hmm. of very crucial roles that he plays in this weird weird little business that we find ourselves in definitely Um, maybe one of these days i'll we john and i can share manufacturing numbers because i i don't doubt it he builds a lot of pedals i wonder how how many pedals you build john (laughs) yeah (laughs) get a little competition going with you a lot i know it's a lot yes All right, this is going to be, I think, the last listener question unless we get a new one that comes in. Nope, just a lot a lot of love. Just a lot of love being thrown around. Let's see. Um, there was one more question. Okay, here we go. Uh, and this is going to be the last one, and then we're just going to spiral on our own. Nathaniel Bowden, or Bowden, sorry, I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm saying your last name correctly. With so many different pedal companies out there now, is it difficult to try and make new pedals when there are so many different options? What's your Hmm. opinion on that? Well, there are a lot of options, and it and and it kind of depends on. There, there maybe there are, and there aren't a lot of options. If you're saying there are a lot of options for different pedal companies, yeah, that's great, and and everybody has their own. Hopefully, puts their own take and twist on on something like that. You know, if you consider, I think Josh did a show on on this kind of pointing out the different types of effects pedals and the categories and you know there's only a certain amount of in my mind there's only a certain amount of math functions that that are musical and you know you can add your dry sound with a time delayed sound and you get an echo and then if you change that time rate then you might have a chorus sound if you add them together you can add and subtract and make envelope filters or you can make compressors, but they're kind of basic math functions. Mm-hmm. And so there's really only a certain number of things that sound good. You know, if you do exponential functions on sound, it doesn't really always sound that good or it might just destroy, right. blow up, right? <laughs> but um, Yeah, our ears so, have a limited range that they work in, right? Yeah, there's there's there are truly, you know, a certain number of sounds that sound musical if you do certain multiplication thing you get ring modulators and those those sound cool they might not be the most musical to everyone so you start to run out of possibilities in terms of what can be done to a signal Mm -hmm. except there's this whole world of dsp where you can make it do things that are unrealistic or you know would be very challenging with um standard analog audio circuits and stuff right. like that. So um, that's that becomes really fun. And it seems like since the 
FV1 spin chip, the, the kind of the entry level DSP, has been out for well over a decade, probably 15, 20 years now. Um, uh, you know, people, more pedal manufacturers and more hobbyists and DIY guys are seeing how easy it is to create in that environment, or you can learn it and then you can start to manipulate these sounds your own way. So, um, I, I still see there being a lot of possibility. Plus, if you add the fact that, um, again, designing the user interface or the expressiveness or the dynamics of the pedal, if you make it so that the user can get his intentions through that pedal, <laughs> you know, with his playing mm -hmm. dynamics or, or some other thing, um, then, then you just increase, you know, what, what somebody can create musically and stuff like that. So that's kind of where the frontiers are. I don't think there'll be a new effect called a, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because we kind of a flangelizer of, of yeah. friendly math functions that sound good to the human ear. I don't know. That's mm -hmm. maybe my opinion, you know, so, but there's so many, there's an infinite amount of possibilities with, with that, you know, mods, you know, any number of things. Um, so no, I still yeah. think it's a very fun, fun world. Um, and there's lots of possibilities. And I think a lot of it, you, like you mentioned about DSP, and this is something that I've been exploring a lot more lately. It's just like, you can do things, you alluded to this a little bit that aren't physically possible mm -hmm. in the real quote unquote world, you know, even just from a recording perspective, you know, I recently got the, uh, Benson plugin suite. Mm. And I've been playing with that. And it sounds, hey, if you just use it normal, it sounds ridiculously good. It's mm -hmm. so it's it's almost silly. But then you can do things like, oh, I want to put the Benson fuzz in between the amp and the speaker cab and see right. what that sounds like. You can't do that in real life. You right. blow everything up, you know, or I want to put the, the reverb tank, you know, after the speaker cab and see what that sounds like. You can't do that in real life, but it sounds really good when you do. And so when you get even more granular, you start mm -hmm. looking at the actual code of things and where you can take these Legos and building blocks and start mm -hmm. constructing. I think you can get truly new sounds from existing existing effect types. You know, yeah. you put a chorus in a different place and you know, in the in some sort of parallel signal path with something else, it's gonna be something that no one's ever heard before because it's not physically possible to do in real life. So that's yeah, the that possibilities is really are limitless. one of the things that that makes the Halo so nice for me and my team is um, uh, there are certain ways that we put things together that are not conventional. And mm -hmm. what, what I mean to say is that um, Brett Kingman, you know, the guy that does the demos down in Australia, super, yeah, yeah. super nice guy. I'm always interested in his feedback because for some reason I hear it better <laughs> it, when he says something to me and he says he doesn't like it or he likes it, it, it really resonates. So he has, he introduced the pedal. I think, I hope I don't have any of this wrong to the fractal FX type world or, or he noticed that some people were trying to get a simulation going of the halo. Mm -hmm. And, um, we noticed that the, the way that they were assembling the building blocks within that F, uh, X, uh, FX uh, environment. Um, what wasn't the way that we were putting together the, you know, the sounds in the halo. And so we gave them a block diagram of the way 
that we assembled the sounds just using the same things that you were talking about. What if you put it here? You know, what if you mixed it here? What if you did this? And that was enough to give them the ability then to create more uh, accurate sounding patches of the of the halo. And okay. so I, if I'm not mistaken, they had to, uh, you know, adjust something to be able to either mix or to get the sound the kind of the exact same way we had um, that we have in the halo. So mm-hmm. it it is. And, and there are certain like um, non-linearities, things, non-linear aspects to this pedal that are really kind of mistakes. But then when we put it back the right way, it should be. Andy was like, yeah, don't like that. And we're like, wow, <laughs> wow. You really like that, <laughs> the sound of that mistake better. And, or you know, and so we leave things in there that, sound good to the human ear but technically might not be right so yeah there's (laughs) the halo has been such a fun experience that's musical equipment in general right yeah the whole history of rock and roll is basically using equipment in ways that it wasn't intended to be used and finding cool sounds yeah it's one of my favorite internet stories and i've told this on the podcast a bunch and i wish i could like cite where i saw it this is like before i was even on the internet doing anything other than just reading and nerding out. Mm -hmm. I remember this story of a student who took a, I believe it was a death by audio fuzz Mm -hmm. into their electronics class. And then the instructor was like, this is the dumbest layout, worst thing that you could possibly do electronically. The transistors are backwards. Like there's all (laughs) kinds of just nonsense going on in here. And, but he's like, yeah, but it sounds awesome. Yeah. So is it wrong? You know, if it functions and it makes the sound you're looking for, what is correct? You know, correct is, does it get the sound you want at the end of the day? And I think, especially in rock and roll, we've been doing that since day one, basically. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I was going to college and I'd ask the instructor, like Dr. Laspiza, I'm like, hey, can you tell me how this op amp would work in this, you know, guitar effect pedal and what's this doing? And he's like, why in the world would you want to do that to sound? You know what I mean? <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I don't know if that's a very good idea. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's a great idea. I just want to understand it better. Right. No, you, you know. No, you don't get it. Maybe I need to teach this class. I'm going to yeah. start teaching this class. It's so funny. So another thing that I think is interesting, and I I know you have you'll have your own perspective on this, but you know, Oklahoma is is this weird pedal-centric capital of the world, basically. But most of the roots seem to lead back to Keeley in some way, shape, or form. It's like from Walrus to Old Blood to F5. There's so much of it that comes from your shop. Is that because of like the culture that's in the shop? You know, just like always trying to expand and learn? Or what do you attribute that to? I think it's a testament to how big of a jerk I am. Okay. (laughs) I mean, it has to be right. If, if all these people are leaving the flock, right. (laughs) And creating their own pedal companies, there's gotta be one reason why they don't stick around. It's probably gotta be me. So maybe I'm challenging to work with, you know, that's a great thing. You know, if we applied it to say, Mike Pierre, analog man, he must be a great guy to work for because I don't see many other 
Connecticut based <laughs> effects pedal companies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. Maybe something okay. like that. I guess if, if you have a bunch of uh, uh, string companies that crop up in Nashville or what have you, then you know you mm. might go, hmm, either mm. inspiring people or they're just glad to get away. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, a lot of those, that a lot of the, there's, a, there's a couple <laughs> pedal companies and, you know, but I, I think it is the environment. I think I got a, a, a good head start on a lot of people um, by maybe as much as 10 years on, on the whole thing. Plus I had been doing electronics for almost 15 years before pedals. So, mm-hmm. I had a lot of experience there, so it. Although I haven't, you know, released, you know, masterpiece effects pedals one after another. Um, the You've got ex- a few though. There, there's there's been some great ones, you know. The the I think when people see um, how it is, how fun it is to build effects pedals, and how it's. I can't take all of their ideas. Like if I had, like when Brady Smith worked for me from Old Blood Noise, I remember he had plenty of good ideas, but I, I was, you know, maybe selfishly focused on my own or maybe financially focused on a couple other ideas. And I didn't want to venture off in that world for one reason or another. But, um, so I, it, to me, it, it makes sense that when people do move on for all kinds of good reasons or, whatever, you know, that, that they go on to, you know, engineer, if you will, or build their own effects pedals or strive to, to do that same thing, because it is, it is a lot of fun building pedals because your customers are, are great. You know, they're as crazy as you are, (laughs) you know what I mean? As, and I mean, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a, it's a, it's a great environment. It's a great goal, great customers. So it's always fun making music. You can, listen to your favorite song over and over again. So, you know, it's kind of how it is with pedals. You can do it over and over again and it's still fun. So I think that's, that's true. why, I think that's why a lot of people do it is, um, uh, or there's so many, not people do it, but there are so many Oklahoma companies because Jacob is, uh, a proponent of showing people and helping people how to do it. So you take that desire to kind of teach or help, or show people that it can be done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's much better than flipping burgers. So that's true. <laughs> you, you that's combine true. those things. If you like to help people, you like to make music, you don't want to flip burgers, you can make pedals. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you can flip pedals. It's, a, it's a great job for out of work guitarists is what I say. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, it's funny that you say that. Cause like, uh, Wampler, obviously we've become really good friends with him over the years doing yeah. that show every week, you know, and, and he started, he was a Nashville, you know, session slash live guy. That's what he was doing. He was mm-hmm. playing. He was trying to make it down there doing that. And he was building pedals on the side and people realized, wow, th- these pedals sound really great. Pretty soon he's chucking them on, on, on stage to Brad Paisley and all mm-hmm. like literally like that's how that 
whole thing relationship started he just like threw a pedal up on the stage <laughs> <laughs> brad's like incoming oh wait that's a pedal thank you <laughs> yeah oh, wait oh this is with oh you're not trying to kill me this is nice yeah. but yeah that's how that whole thing started and he he said the same thing like, yeah I, I couldn't make it as a guitarist so i started making <laughs> pedals <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and fast best. forward to now, he's going down to Nashville this weekend as we record this to play on a uh, at the Bluebird Cafe, which is a legendary oh. venue down there for a, an artist that found him through doing his pedal videos and <laughs> thought, "Hey, I love your playing. I want you to play on my oh, record." And now cool? he's <laughs> so you never know where where pedals pedals can lead you to magical places. That's yeah, I that's been my Brian, experience. Brian definitely kept up his guitar chops and. And uh, I went through long, long periods where I didn't pick very much or not <laughs> constructive manner. So, yeah, um, yeah, Brian's always jamming on the guitar. So that's good for him. I, I'm he glad is. to hear he's doing that, too. He's always downplaying it, too. He's like, I'm not that good. I'm like, you are a way better guitar player than I am. Like, way better. <laughs> it's, it's at least in that specific style that, he, you know, the country country rock type of thing he just he nails it so i'm i'm proud of him i'm excited that he gets to go down there and that's cool yeah so that's what i say pedals and music and putting yourself out there that's that's the big thing on this show that comes up time and time again is just just do it just <laughs> put yourself out there you, you know if you have something you want to try just just do it the worst thing that could happen is nothing and that's mm -hmm. what's going to happen if you don't put yourself out there so just Put it out there and try. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work, come back and try again later because I never thought I would get to talk to you. I never thought you'd come over to my house and like play <laughs> a bunch of pedals and hang out. Like, I never thought that was going to happen. And it was like one of the best experiences of my life. So, you know, I, I still have you never know. In my brain, too. I can still picture that your house, walking through your house and then going back to the shed where you are now. Mm -hmm. That was unbelievable. And the, the weather wasn't <laughs> the weather wasn't bad at all, really. I got, I got lucky when I went up there. It was. I don't remember what time of year it was, it, it but was somehow like you. I, I, yeah. If I looked on my phone, I, I'd swear it was September, October, or something. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> if you ever come back up here, the shred, the, the shed's only gotten more ridiculous. There's, I, there's, I can't wait. There's to more see and more. I need, I need to visit Jack Deville up there, Mister Blackpedals. Oh, abso absolutely. I got I, a vintage I knew you Jack had Deville shirt, shirt on. on. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't yep. believe it when. Um, you sent me a picture and I was like, wait a second. I know what that has to be. Cause he didn't, he didn't let too many people into his little world there. No, no. He's had me there for the last, probably, I want to say six, eight months. He's had me there probably once or twice a month helping him machine mm -hmm. just because I have the flexibility and time and I have background with some of that stuff. So it's, it was real easy for me to just hop in and, and help them out as needed mm -hmm. uh, here and there. And it's nice for me because it breaks up my week a little bit. You know, I tend to kind of do the same things roughly every day, you know, mm -hmm. make content, get on the phone with Scott for three hours and figure out whatever's going, to, going mm -hmm. on down in Nashville, you know. And so going to Jack's shop and helping him out, you know, uh, here and there is it helps him and it's a nice break for me. So it works yeah. works for everybody. I don't know that I'll do it forever, but in yeah. the meantime, yeah, I'm I'm going down there this Friday. So that's great. Yeah, he's we've become buddies over the years, and I, that's been a good a good relationship. We we uh, 
you know, he tends to not let a lot of people in the door or into his life. So (laughs) it's nice to have gotten to know him. No, when I went over to his house, he played this amazing drive pedal for me. I couldn't believe how good it was. And I couldn't, I'm always amazed with, um, he works from a very uh, limited number of parts, possibilities, values and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So he's got a very tidy, um, extremely tidy (laughs) operation in terms of, you know, his inventory. We have, we have, part we have sheets and sheets of spreadsheets <laughs> of, of different things you know i have the tendency to want to try to dial something in and make a lot of exceptions to the rules and do this you know include this include that and then you end up with a variety of parts values you know what i mean yeah. you with a big inventory yes um, yep which is nice from a flexibility standpoint, but it does come with its own challenges. Both yeah. the, both ways are, they've got, everything's a, a bit of a compromise, right? You know, yeah. you've got to decide what kind of compromise it is that you want to make. It's just what it is, right? Jack, Jack doesn't compromise much. He's like, no, I need the case to be exactly this by this by this. And, you know, <laughs> I don't really like that kind of variation. <laughs> so... <laughs> He well, yeah, I, mean, I guess precise. that's what I mean. He he puts his own limitations on it, right? Yeah, and, uh, exactly. That's and it it works for him, and I can see why he makes those decisions too. You know, and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily how my brain works, but <laughs> I'm not him. So yeah. Well, we're getting down to the last couple minutes of the podcast, and I've actually introduced some some somewhat new things to the end of the show since you last cool. came on. So before I do that. Why don't we let you take the stage? You're talking to a few thousand people right now. You can plug whatever it is you want to plug. You can shout out, uh, you know, your favorite aunt or whatever it is you want to do right now. the The floor is yours, sir. Huh? Oh no, I'm not prepared. I I think that just like stripped my mind of any thoughts. Um, <laughs> wow. Well, I want to respond to all the people uh, sending their text messages and pouring the love on me because um, if it wasn't for all those great customers, man, we, I would not be here. I would not be able to develop the halo and afford the employees and mm-hmm. the ability to do it. So um, just thanks a lot for all the, the kind words. I've, I've even been accused of saying that um, our customers are too good to us, that they won't <laughs> let me know if something's wrong because they're afraid to say something, I think. You know what I mean? This could be mm-hmm. in my head, but they're, they're so our customers are so darn like good, forgiving, understanding, appreciative of me that if something isn't quite right, I don't think they really speak up. They just make an allowance for me and give me a pass. And next thing you know, I, you know, I'm like, oh, dang. I wish somebody would have told me. <laughs> right. You guys were over there I didn't being know too did nice that. to me again. Just sending right. me, you know, nice messages. You should have been saying, no, your stuff's broken, man. <laughs> Send so, the accurate feedback. They need it. Yeah, need that's, it. that's how good my customers are, that I have a hard time getting brutally honest feedback. I think I got mm-hmm. one guy, Nate Napier, that likes to point out stuff. <laughs> I'm just giving him a hard time. I'm just busting on him. <laughs> so, but right nope, I, I've got the world's best customers. They are cool. super, cool. super, super cool. Right on. Okay. 
Here's the final two questions, okay. one of which you've been asked before, but it's been a while, so we'll see if your answer's changed. This, mm -hmm. But this first one, I know I did not. What is your favorite boss pedal? Mm, the wheels are turning. There's so many to choose from. I know, right? Um, I want to make sure I say something that I really, really, truly think. I guess boss is more than just a pedal to me. I hate to not really answer the question to just go exactly in there. Okay, I'll tell you what. I liked what they did, how they changed the TR2 design, because I used to mod those. And mm -hmm. they had to they had to change there, and they gave me a little bit of insight. I mean, Boss is always a place where you gain insight from. Those those are great engineers, and great designers, and absolutely, whew, they're just they're just very impressive. So every, every Boss pedal you can learn from. You know, it's just a, a huge resource, and on not only the level that you might that regular players might see, but because they're set up like a well organized, you know fully functioning Japanese, you know, audio company. Uh, if you're a service center to them, I was a service center for a while because I was a dealer, you know, um, mm -hmm. then they, they make all their resources like for their schematics available. And I don't know, um, you know, if you're, if you're used to looking on the internet for schematics and you see these hand-drawn things and you know all <laughs> kinds of people's guesses but if you have a question about a boss product you just go online if you're you know allowed to and you can pull out the service manual and you know they have test procedures and alignment procedures and and you know part numbers and and so when i watch them change the tr2 from uh whatever i can't remember the hitachi um OTA that they were using, the IC that they're using. Then they switched to a company called That Corp, T H A T, That Corp. Mm -hmm. And um, they had to go through a design revision or two. So that was like one of the few times I had seen Boss where they kind of, I don't want to say stumbled, but they were forced to for one reason or another, probably because Hitachi wasn't making the, the semiconductor anymore, um, to use That Corp. Well, seeing that made me explore that company. Those guys came from DBX, and okay. and made the the Blackmer um, cells for compression, and they developed their own um, and their world class audio uh, products, and so that's what we got to use in our Compressor Pro and our Bassist and um, GC2, oh. and so kind of. You know, where it starts from just working on a boss tremolo and trying to add a little bit more volume or give people a volume control to it led to, you know, you know, significant part of our uh, product line, you know, sounding better. The the chip, the, the, that design that we use in the Compressor Pro and the Bassist and the GC2 is different than what we use in the Compressor Plus, like the guy mentioned earlier, he said he right. loved it. The Compressor Plus, we sell more of. That's kind of a country guitar compressor, and um, uh, and it, it definitely adds to, it's like a compressor effect. But if you want a compressor as a tool, uh, and not a sound effect, but just the strict limiting thing, or you know, then that's where the compressor pro or the bassist really worked for us. And it's using those that corp chips. So all kinds of good 
Boss products, they're just wonderful. <laughs> so Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a it's an amazing company. I I think there for a, a little bit in the particularly in the mid two thousands, they were getting a lot of completely undeserved uh hate from certain, you know, gear snobs when realistically they're one of the most influential music oh, yeah. companies of all time. Like they're so important to the sound of all kinds of different styles of music. I mean, from the cure to Nirvana, like to, I mean, the list is endless with what boss has done. Yeah. Really incredible. So stuff. even if you look at something, a concept like, I, I don't know if they pronounce it Cosm, but the C O S M Remember in the mid two thousands, they came out with those, all the dual pedals. And then they came out mm-hmm. with like the basement and the deluxe reverb. And I think even some of these fuzz pedals, they, they some of them, but they, you'll see where they have that little badge, Cosm based or something like that. Right. What I noticed on those circuit boards, when I buy that, those series of effects pedals that they would come out with, is that the circuit board was uh, essentially the same unit internally for a variety of designs. They might have features you know, populated and the programming that it was running on their DSP um, was really what changed, you know what I mean? In my mind, uh, but you know, I've seen that done with like car stereos and, and VCRs where they'll use the same circuit board, but then they just, you know, modify the, you know, schematic essentially and build it differently. And it becomes a different model or product number. And so when I saw sure. boss doing to that, that just made me think, Oh yeah. So that's how we, we kind of design a lot of our, DSP stuff that way where it's a platform and then it fits on there. So again, it wasn't just boss, but definitely, you know, influenced me there, even with their modern digital stuff, you know what I mean? Just the way they assembled, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. the product lines. Absolutely. All right. We're going to segue into a question I believe you've answered before, but Mm -hmm. it is the classic question that I I end the show on and you maybe have changed your answer in, in recent years. So we'll find out, but what is your favorite kind of pizza? Hmm. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. <laughs> right now, I'd probably, if I was to order a pizza right now, there's this place called Marco's Pizza, and they got these pepperonis that curl up, and mm. the, the grease sits in the center. And, yeah. Know, those those oh, curl yeah. curl pepperonis or pepperonis, those those are the bomb. So I, I think are. I'd probably go with that. <laughs> is Mar- is is Marco's like a, a thin crust place or or is it what is a what's you know the what? style? I think they do you there? can actually order a thin or a thick crust. I don't think I could be wrong, but I, I think at our house we like thin crust pizza in general. So <laughs> all right, right. <laughs> all right, Marco's with the thin pepperonis, beautiful. Well, you got, beautiful. No, they curl up. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they yeah, the little, little they got to be the little guys. Yeah, yeah. The, they turn into cups, cups yes. of greasy goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that's Love that's them. where my interest in pizza lies right now. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you, man. I'm totally with you. Well, dude, thank you so much for hanging out. We'll uh, slide over to Patreon and we'll get even weirder with it if you're down. All right. Rock All on. right. Okay. Well, for Robert, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Rob and I got really weird on the Patreon version of the episode. The bonus content. Yes, if you weren't aware, there are extra conversations that go along with just about every episode. And on this one, Killy and I get real weird with it. 
Oftentimes these conversations involve extraterrestrials, and this one is no different. So if that's your thing, you can go to patreon.com slash tonemob, where for five bucks a month, you can get access to those episodes. You get them every single week, along with the ad-free feed. And for $3 a month, if you don't care about the bonus episodes, but you're tired of the ads, you can get the ad-free feed for $3 a month. Either way, it's a huge support, and I really, really thank everybody who's doing it. It literally means so much that people would support the show in that way, and it's just absolutely, absolutely astonishing to me that I get to do this. So thank you all who make that possible. Thank you for listening. And if you like this, please share it with a friend. Tell somebody about it. That's the real way that this thing keeps going is if you all help it grow. Keep telling those people. Keep informing your loved ones. Force them to listen to it if you have to. Either way, those downloads are what pay the bills. So thank you so much. Thank you to Rob. Thank you to everybody. And I appreciate you. Talk to you on the internet. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast. A songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, And I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. 
Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts.